0: For the last few weeks, we've been in Ephesians chapter 4, talking about life in God's kingdom. And uh, we're going to finish that series today. I remember when I was a kid, growing up, one of the things that people were always asking me, what do you want to be when you grow up? Bigger. There's one. (laughs) There's a little I think I've seen on Facebook a couple of times this week, it uh, made me smile, the little girl pouting. And, and, and the caption says, I really hope to wake up rich this morning. Um, it's a joke at our house. It started with my father and, and I continue it uh, every time I go to the mailbox, well, not every time, but many times when I go to the mailbox, Uh, I'm going to see if there's a check for a million dollars My dad went he never found it But hey Who knows? (laughs) Maybe there will be a check for a million dollars. What do you want to be when you grow up? Well, some of us are thinking to ourselves uh, I'm pretty much grown up I'm at that point where uh, I am grown up I don't need to grow anymore Well, I would like to grow up three more inches. It would help a little. Um, But that's probably not going to happen either. Um, We we get to a point where we start to think, I've grown as much as I need to grow. We fall fall into a trap of thinking we don't need to grow. Mm -hmm. But as followers of Jesus... We need to keep pressing on to reach all that Jesus plans for us to reach and become all that he plans for us to be. And so this morning I'm going to ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? As a follower of Jesus, what do you want to be when you grow up? Ephesians chapter 6, verses one to 16. Um, Paul is writing to this church in Ephesus, this is a letter, we've mentioned that before, but just a quick reminder, this is like the fourth page of the letter, uh, he's writing it from a Roman prison, a dungeon would be a more appropriate description, when we say prison, it, we think something that's not, well it's not pleasant, but it's at least clean, uh, that we're talking dungeon, fight Sleeping on the floor, fighting the rats for your food, if you have any, because basically Rome didn't want to waste money on food for prisoners, if you had family or friends who would bring you food, then you'd have food. Uh, It was not in any way uh, anything like you've seen uh, or heard of these days. Paul's writing from there to this church, and he says, I... Therefore, the prisoner for the Lord urge you to live worthily of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body one spirit, and one Spirit, just as you were called to one whole. The one hope of your calling one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of all who is over all and through all and in all so to pause for a moment that's kind of like the focus the focus of a, that was the focus of the very first sermon in this series the message and then the sermon in a sentence was unity in god's kingdom flows from our focus on king jesus The kingdom is a centered community. It is a a group of people whose focus is on Jesus. It's not uh, bound by a list of rules. It is not bound by a description of who uh, is in the right ethnic group or the right political group or the right nationality. It is a matter of who is following Jesus. Now, I'm going to pause for a moment because there may have been some people who thought what I was saying that it didn't matter how on earth you were behaving for everybody who thought I was saying behavior didn't matter you're not listening if you're following Jesus your behavior changes but just because you're because you change your behavior doesn't mean you're following Jesus you're not sure what i'm talking about please go read paul's the third chapter of Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, Philippians chapter 3, where he talks about how he had all his behavioral ducks in a row and it was really just a pile of garbage compared to the and knowing Jesus. So the first sermon of this sentence, the first thing that we want to know about life in this kingdom is Life in God's kingdom is a matter of unity that God has created as we focus on following Jesus. Paul goes on to say, but with all of this one does, to each of us, grace was given according to the measure of the gift of Christ, therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he captured captives he gave gifts to men now what is the meaning of he ascended except that he also descended to the lower regions namely the earth he the very one who descended is also the one who ascended above all the heavens in order to fill all things so that brings us to the second sermon in a sentence loving service descending Loving service and caring proclamation and acts of the Holy Spirit's power inevitably produce transformed lives. The way that God's kingdom is built is through loving service. Descending always precedes ascending. Descending to serve, to care and proclaim God's grace and his love and the acts of his Holy Spirit working in us and through us will inevitably lead to transformed lives. These are not things we can produce. Well, there is a whole sermon series right there and some people will get to it. But let me just say this is the truth we need to understand. Loving service and caring proclamation and acts of the Holy Spirit's power inevitably inevitably, wow, that's easy enough for you to say uh, will always produce transformed lives Uh, it was he, Jesus is who we're talking about Christ, it was Christ who gave some as apostles, some as prophets some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, that is to build up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, a mature person attaining to the measure of Christ's full stature. That was the third sermon in the sentence. People loved by Jesus link arms and learn to love people as Jesus loves them. That's what it means to become united in the knowledge of the Son, having the full measure of Christ's stature. We're learning together, because we're focused on following Him, we are learning to love people the way He does. Now, the last three verses of this section. So we are no longer to be children tossed back and forth by waves and carried about by every wind of teaching, by the trickery of people who craftily carry out their deceitful schemes. But practicing the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Christ who is the Head. From Him the whole body grows, fitted and held together through every supporting ligament, as each one does its part, the body grows in love. So what do you want to be when you grow up? And Paul tells us the answer to that is practicing the truth in love will we and we will grow up into Christ. By practicing the truth in love, we will in all things grow up. Christ. What do you want to be when you grow up as a follower of Jesus? I want to be like Jesus. Sermon in a sentence. Jesus' followers grow up to live a life of love just like him. In fact, just in the next chapter, the very beginning of Ephesians chapter 5, what well, I like to call it the fifth page of this letter, Paul makes sure that they didn't miss what he was trying to say. So he makes it really clear. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Imitate God in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love following the example of Christ. Okay. uh, Then he goes, let me remind you what that means. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us. Jesus' followers grow up to live a life of love just like him. Jesus declared the most important commandment is this. The Lord our God is one and the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. These two, Jesus says, are the sum total of all the commandments. All the rules that religious leaders thought were so important in Jesus' day, all of those rules are summed up in those two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all that you are and your neighbor as yourself. Love God and others as you love yourself. Sounds simple. Doesn't it? So, what keeps us from growing up to love like Jesus? I mean, why don't we do it? (laughs) If it's simple, (laughs) and, and please. Don't ask me to prove that we don't do it. You know, it's kind of like one of our founding documents in our country. We hold these truths to be self-evident. We don't do it. We don't live a life of love like Jesus. Well, I think I do. I'm not going to argue with you about you, but I'm talking about all of us together who say we follow Jesus, and there's billions of us, trust me, from what I've seen, we're not doing it altogether. Why not? What keeps us from doing it? Well, here's the bottom line. Every human being is broken inside. We are born with a fundamental bent away from loving God and others we're born with a malignant focus on ourselves. I want you to understand what I just said. A malignant focus on ourselves. Not a, I mean, There isn't such a thing as a healthy focus on ourselves, but we're born with a malignant, in case you're not sure what that means, that's cancerous, deadly, sickly, focus on ourselves. Each one of us wants what we want, when we want it, how we want it, and if we don't care how we get it, because we believe that what we want, when we want it, is gonna make us happy or comfortable or feel safe and secure and give it to me now. I'm not asking you to confess. Just listen to the arguments around it. You can't tell me what to do. Why? Because I am in charge of my life. And if I don't want to do what you think I ought to do, you can't tell me what to do. I want to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, and there's no way I'm going to do, let you tell me what to do. It's everywhere. It is the American way. I really didn't expect any amens there. But it would have been appropriate. See, no matter how much or how little we think we've done wrong, or the famous theological term for that is sin, no matter how much we think of, or how little we think we've sinned, we, we all have this sickness, this brokenness, this bent toward this malignant focus on ourselves in an equal measure. Every single human being is sick like this. All of us. Everyone is born with this selfish motivation. I uh, just, I'm going to pause for a moment. I almost hate to use the word selfish. Because I know immediately uh, somebody's here to be thinking, but I'm not selfish. I love to give. I know. I know many of us love to give, but I'm about to get up in your business. Not maybe not yours, but somebody else's. Why do you love to give? people love to give. Maybe it's not you. But I know people who love to give because they get their names put on things. Or they get some other form of recognition. Or they get people looking at them like, ooh, aren't they jealous? Or they get stories told. Tell a story about my parents, about an institution that they gave to over the years. And I'm not going to tell you the name of the institution, though. Some people in my family would guess, but that they were keep their mouths shut because I am. But they gave and they gave and they gave and they gave, and, they gave, and finally, uh, their picture was put up in one of the buildings at this institution. And and my dad wanted me to see this. And some of you know me. I can at times be sarcastic. For the rest of you, I just told you that I can't be sarcastic. And before I really thought about what I was saying, this comment came out. And one of those ones that I wish I could take back, but it's already gone. It was out there. It's out there. I said, so you guys finally gave enough to get a picture on the wall. You all know that moms have a look. (laughs) Dads can have a look too. <laughs> oh, look, there's your friend. I, I just tried to move the conversation <laughs> on. Uh, I, I, I will tell you that I am certain that that is not why my parents gave. I'm certain they gave because of their love for the institution and their commitment to the mission of that institution. But we need to ask ourselves, the moment you hear me say, everyone is born with a selfish motivation, and you start to go, yeah, but I'm a really generous person, let the Holy Spirit point out to you exactly why you're generous This selfishness, this this malignant focus on ourselves, rears its ugly head in our addictions and in our hidden acts of self harm. It 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 often fuels uh, even our religious behaviors. Nearly eight billion broken humans walk the face of this planet right now and they're all clamoring for attention insisting that others satisfy their needs and this explains why our world is in the condition it is in this Malignant focus on ourselves distorts and destroys our relationships with each other and with God It is impossible To love like Jesus loves when we want to be the center of our universe Mm It is impossible With water without any kind of special apparatus that might possibly by some slim chance be able to suck oxygen out of the water and keep you alive. I, you know, I suppose they could invent an artificial gill for you and drop you off in the middle of the ocean, but I want you to know that I'll be the last person to ever try it. <laughs> I'm the guy who has nightmares about being underwater. Hmm. It is impossible for me to breathe water. And it is impossible for me and every other human being I have ever met to love like Jesus loves because we want to be the center of our universe and we want everybody else to take care of us. So it's simple to say, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. It is simple to say. But left to ourselves, it is impossible to do. <laughs> yes. That almost sounds like a mean trick. <laughs> Why would Jesus do that to us? <laughs> Don't quit on me. You handle Two years ago, one of my mentors introduced me to what I assume is an old idea. It sounds like an old, set of, uh, an old term. Uh, it's not something that I, I was aware of before. It's called cruciform love. It's, it's the love of God, cruciform love. I had to go look it up. It, it's... Crucifixion formed love. Cross shaped love. Mm. There's a hint of it in, in that what Paul said in Ephesians 5:2. Live in love just as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us a sacrifice, and a fragrance. Jesus' followers grow up to live a life of love just like him. But we do it by learning a whole new kind of love. A cross-shaped love. See, so left to ourselves when when I love you like I love myself, it, it's It's usually about feelings, and often about my feelings, because I'm going to love you in such a way that you feel good about me, because when you feel good about me, I feel good about me, because I'm a people pleaser. I've always wondered, how many non-people pleasers are there in the world? How many people in the world really don't want to care don't care what anybody else thinks about them? I have a hard drive thinking there are very many of those people around. Right? But maybe there are. So many times we 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 love other people because we want to get something back out of it. But when I love you like Jesus loves us. It's a crucifixion choice. My stuff dies. My preferences go to the cross. My desires go to the cross. My feelings about whether you like me or don't like me go to the cross. My desire to be in the center of the universe and have you like me be, be, to meet those meet, meet, yep, that goes through the cross because I sacrifice simply because I love you like Jesus love. <laughs> when I love myself, it's often about how holding on to my wants, my rights, and my entitlements Well, what I love is Jesus loved me. It's about giving up my wants, my rights, my entitlements. Okay. Oh. You've heard these words before. You've been around our church very often, been in our worship okay. services because, well, I really like them. And I keep reading them because I think one of these days I'm going to go, oh, I'm starting to put them into practice. Here, listen. Paul told the church in Philippi, you should have the same attitude toward one another that Christ had, who though existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptying himself by taking on the form of a slave, by looking like other humans, And by sharing in human nature, he humbled himself, and by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. (coughs) Jesus' followers grow up to live a life of love just like him. And it costs. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul had a prayer for, for them. And he said, I pray that out of his glorious riches, God may strengthen you with power through his spirit and in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Nobody knows exactly for sure what Paul meant when he said to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of of God, but I have an idea. See, he was talking about love. We're going to be rooted and established in love. We want to find out how wide and long and high and deep is love of Christ and to know the love that surpasses knowledge, Which we may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. That's the goal. To be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Just stop for a minute, Mark. Okay. Picture that as best you possibly can. How big is God? <laughs> okay, here's my best attempt. You need to picture the universe. So, Outdoors, out of the Northwoods, we're out to see the stars, and see, and see, and see, and see, and see, and see, and realize that many of those little dots of light aren't just stars, they're actually galaxies, mm-hmm. and they're Billions and billions of light years away. And He's just as much there as He is here. And the God that not only fills that, but goes beyond all this. That fullness. us. It's the purpose for which we were made. To be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. To be filled with the to be filled with the measure of the fullness of His love. So think about it for a moment. What would that be like? To be filled with To the measure of all the fullness of God's love. Do you even think it's possible? Is it possible to be filled with his love? And if it really is possible, would you want to be filled to the measure of his fullness? Pursue it. I read somewhere that there are two traps that we need to be careful of when we're we're trying to talk about being filled with with the fullness of God's uh, love. And and on the one hand, is the trap of casual Christianity, and that's the, uh, the state of... For we'll just call it status quo religion. The other is committed Christianity. Uh, status quo, casual Christianity is, is filled with apathy, committed Christianity is filled full of ambition. But both of them are self oriented. I'm okay the way I am. The way I am is fine. I don't need to change. That's casual Christianity. Um, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. That's okay. Committed Christianity. I need to work harder. All it takes, I'll just get up tomorrow a little earlier, and pray a little longer, and read a little more out of my Bible, and, 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 and I'll just struggle a little bit more, and, and, and I'll be more loving. <laughs> to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God means life on a whole nother level, another plane of existence. It requires the emptying of all these self-oriented ways, all this self-generated stuff, it, it's, there's, it's not a middle between I am okay, I don't need to change anything, and, and uh, desire to, I have to do something. I'm pushing myself. It's another way entirely. It's the way of surrender to Jesus. It's the way of saying, I can't, but you can. It's the imitation of the cross. It's the imitation to consecration. That's the way to be filled to the measure of, the cross of God, to the full measure of God. Jesus put it this way whoever wants to be my disciple, disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Jesus' followers grow up to live a life of love just like Jesus. So, I'm going to ask again, what do you want to be when you grow up? Do you want to be loved by others? Or do you want to love others like Jesus loves you? Do you tend to be satisfied with the way you are? Are you striving to be better? Or are you tired of this impossible task? This is what I know. This is what I believe. I'm broken. Whether you're gonna like me saying this or not, you're broken. We are all broken. But Jesus can heal our brokenness and reprogram our lives and teach us to think and to love like He does. The Holy Spirit can fill us with the love that defines God's nature, not the love that that this world. But the question we all have to answer is will we follow Jesus? Will we pick up our cross and follow him? I'm going to invite you to pray with me. Just between you and Jesus, you can use these words, you may use your own words. Let's pray. King Jesus, fill us with your Holy Spirit so we may know you better. We won't settle for knowing more about you any longer. We want a real connection with you. We want to know you. Dear God, strengthen us with your spirit so that you can dwell in our hearts, you can live in us. Plant us deep in your love until we have the power to begin to grasp how wide and long and high and deep your cross-shaped love truly is. Not not as a a concept, not as a theory, not as an idea. It's something we've experienced. And we want to keep experiencing your love that outshines and outstrips explanation. King Jesus, we want to be filled to the Measure of all the fullness of God's limitless love. We're not sure what that all means. We have an idea from looking at what your life was like. It's nothing like what we live. follow you wherever you lead us. All this seems impossible. Indeed, it is impossible for us left to ourselves. But it is not impossible for you. God, you can do infinitely more than all we ask or imagine. All that we dared to dream even hope to pray. You do it according to the power that's already at work us. So we ask you to fill us with your love until you alone receive <clears throat> the honor and the glory. side or online. Appreciate that very much. You are set to love people in Jesus' name in the power of His Holy Spirit. What He wants to do in you and through you will probably blow your mind. But that's okay. Let him do it anyway. Go, you're sad.